Welcome back. Ed. Yes, sir. What's up, man? Oh, nothing. Just, you know, computers are fun. <laughs> what a night it's already been. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to keep the intro short and sweet tonight because we got a lot of show for you tonight. Um, we've already re- had some interviews that we've been dealing with all night. We've had some computer issues we've been dealing with all night. Obviously, we weren't live because of all of the other stuff we have for you tonight. So, shout out to Hollywood Tech Solutions. Get this stuff fixed. <laughs> that's not a shout out at all. Oh. I think that's more of a be better. Yeah, to be better. Anyway, let's get right into biggest game of the weekend for Cincinnati people. UC football. So, UC football. It was a nationally televised loss to the self-proclaimed national champions, UCF. We lost 38-13. to um, We started out pretty strong. Um, uh, we had a pretty long drive. Didn't pan out, as most of our drives did not. Um, but we turned around with a huge sack fumble in the end zone. And went up. And then we missed the extra point. And our kicker, Cole Smith, did not make another kick the rest of the night. That's your best friend. It's not. Um, I like James Smith, who wears number 37. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yep. Anyway. Um, after that, just this, the wind in the sails was gone. It kind of went downhill after that. The wind in the sails was gone. After that missed kick, um, I don't know what you what you thought when you were watching the game, but UCF's offense, which is led by quarterback Mackenzie Milton, who, by the way, is a I, female name. I, no, uh, maybe I, I did quasi date a girl named Mackenzie at one point. Oh, okay. Oddly enough, um, but UCF's offense, who's led by Mackenzie Milton, they're fast, man. Like they're quick. I don't even mean just speed of the receivers and all of that. Um, and the quarterback, like I was about to say, he grew up in Hawaii. Yep. Um, played you interviewed with, his mom. Played with yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, Multiple times. She did the the hang tough or whatever the. I think she quoted Lilo and Stitch a couple times too. Maybe. Um, or Moana. Oh, was it Moana? Maybe. Somebody had tweeted that she literally quoted a, a movie. She might have. They're it's both. Fine. I think based in Hawaii. They're both good movies too. Agreed, but she, uh, uh, Mackenzie Milton played like I don't Lights know if it was high school ball or middle school ball or like pee wee or whatever. But he played with Tua from Alabama, right? The quarterback for Alabama, which right. I thought was an interesting thing. Um, but I don't know how the hell I didn't know this before this game. But we are the third youngest team in the NCAA. Did you know that? I had no clue. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, but they made sure to talk about that. That was like a huge focal point, which makes sense because here you have this team of Bearcats that can't keep up. They don't know what they're doing by comparison. You saw it when you see stats like the 379 total yards of offense compared to UCF's 402, which on paper looks great until you see three fumbles lost, two missed field goals, a missed PAT, in comparison with UCF's five touchdowns, three fumble recoveries, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. 
And that's the difference between a very young team when you're talking third youngest in, in all of football. I blame Tommy Tuberville and the trash heap that he bought here, brought here in the time that he was here. But, yeah, I mean, that that's just well, they looked, it's I mean, telling. They looked outmatched. I mean, they looked young. They did. They did. Agreed. And I, I got my hopes up when they uh, did the fumble recovery in the end zone. And I was like, well, okay, we might have something here. But I didn't expect them to win that game. I got my hopes up a long time ago when we were 4-8 and eight last year. And all of a sudden, we well, have nine wins. That's true. But look, think about it this way. We, we have nine wins this we year. We are overachieving. Absolutely. absolutely. And I think that's something that, unfortunately, UC Twitter has forgotten. Because Some. there were so many people yeah. that I was seeing out there in UC Twitter that were like, oh, my God, the sky is falling. What the hell is going on? Why can't... Because I've learned to weed those people out of my. Program. We're we're young, yeah, and we were four and eight last year, man. Exactly, and if we win Friday, we're ten. So obviously, there's some needs that UC has. Um, I don't think it's any secret that we, by comparison with UCF, need receivers. Yep. I don't think that's a secret. Um, Khalil is our best receiver, and he got injured in the game, um, as did Michael Warren, actually. Um, Michael Warren out with the shoulder, and Khalil looked like something with his ankle, foot. I, I haven't read up on it, so I'm not entirely sure what he actually injured or if he's going to even be okay. Uh, he was writhing around in a lot of pain. Um, that's number one mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know. But um, things that you could be excited about after Michael Warren, who had 18 carries, 81 yards after he left with the shoulder injury. Freshman, and, and Michael Warren, by the way, is a sophomore. But freshman Tavion Thomas had 12 carries, 79 yards. Desmond Ritter, also a freshman, 11 for 26. Not great. But, again, that's the difference between a poise of right. a freshman versus – I'm not sure how long Mackenzie Milton's been there, but he didn't look He's like he was a freshman. freshman. No. Um, but Desmond Ritter had 127 yards, also had 20 carries for 70 yards. He looked at times that he was very poised in that pocket, not making bad throws, not making poor decisions. He wasn't throwing picks all over the place. Um, he still managed to carry an offense to 379 yards against a line that looked really good. Right. Um, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who is a huge UCF fan. Rob, I don't know if you're listening, but... Their, their their defense is not touted as very good. No, they said that in the show. It, it wasn't a very good defense. Against our line, though, right. they looked very good. And I don't know if that's a knock on our line or mm-hmm. a knock on our age or a knock on our skill level. I don't think it's a skill level or an age thing. I think it's just a, maybe the, it's just young. I think it's just young. It's also a very loud atmosphere. They call well, it the bounce too. house for crazy. a reason. Um, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the stadium literally bounces from people jumping, oh, they had to reinforce. That sounds structurally every, sound. They no, they went and reinforced everything structurally to make sure that while people are bouncing and you can feel the entire stadium moving, um, yeah, you don't have anything to really worry about because that's not good. They've they've structurally reinforced it. That's not good. It, UCF did uh, hit number nine today in the college football. Finally, they're um, in the top ten. Yeah. Jesus, so. it took them long enough. Um, I don't think UC actually left the top twenty-five, did they? I don't think so. Which think where they were? That's that's actually kind of nice. Um, I don't. In any case, I know they didn't move from the CFP, um, so no. they're still twenty-four at least in the right. CFP, um, which 
kind of maybe nobody was playing. I have no <laughs> idea how we didn't move out because last time we lost in overtime to Temple, uh, we immediately had no votes the very next week. Um, I don't know. It's encouraging for me because a we got Fickle, and he's not going anywhere after that loss. I don't think because um, I think now he has something to prove. If he had won that game and if he had won right. the bowl game, then what's, maybe what's left. You did everything. You maybe at that point because if we beat UCF, I do believe we'd be we would have been in the uh, conference championship. Am I wrong? <sighs> I know there were some different things. Maybe if like Temple loses or something. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. It. There were some different things. Um, but in any case, even if he doesn't win a conference championship, even if he goes and beats UCF and wins a bowl game and has 12 wins in a season, what's left to do here at Cincinnati as opposed to going to a bigger school? However, there's a counter-argument to that now that the Big 12 is apparently discussing expansion. Yep, that broke right before we uh, started uh, recording tonight. Mm-hmm. That, but let's let's not do that to I don't want to get excited yeah, about it, but not. at the same time, if they're at least bringing it back to the table for discussion... That means there's someone or some ones that they're already considering. Maybe and considering. let's not be silly to think that our name isn't in that hat. We got to at least be one of the two that they're considering, or uh, I'm sure there's more than two that they're considering. But uh, between us and UCF, there's a pretty good case to be made between football and basketball. Well, that's a good point. I mean, there is a good case to be made. I just not, I'm not going to get my hopes up again. Well, that's because how many times have we done this? Right. Many, so. many times. Anyway, anything else you got on your thoughts on the game? Yeah, there's still no matter what happened in that game, it's still a successful season compared to last year, and I think we're just building on for for you know the future. So, mm-hmm. moving on, UC basketball. So we won last night. <laughs> you were supposed to be there. Oh yeah, well we won't get into that, <laughs> but uh, Jaron Cumberland. So seven points before the first TV timeout, which uh, that's definitely the first time he's done that this year. Yeah, uh, he finished the night with twenty-seven against Western Michigan. We routed them seventy-eight fifty-two. Um, we also beat earlier this earlier this week, right? Friday so night. This week, oh, Friday. Friday night. Uh, Milwaukee seventy-four sixty-three um, against Milwaukee. All five starters were in double digits. Led by Broom with 17. That was a big game, yes. especially coming after. Um, I still keep going back to Ohio State, even watching against uh, Western Michigan when I was there. Um, you can't not think about a 14% first half against Ohio State. And when you see these guys making shots, it's great to see. Um, but we had five starters in double digits. Broom had 17. Trey Scott and Nicier Brooks. Both had double-doubles against Milwaukee. Um, in the Western Michigan game, to your point, Jaron had seven before the first timeout. He finished with 27. Um, Nicier Brooks also had another double-double. The offense is looking more active. Yes. They're moving around much more. They're running plays much more as opposed to whatever the hell type of ISO offense they were trying to run against Ohio State. It was very <laughs> strange. Um, the coaches are getting louder, and I don't know if that is a combination of the coaches actually being louder or the fact that there's less people against 
Western Michigan and Milwaukee in the arena. Um, Milwaukee was actually pretty crowded with it being a Friday night, but um, Western Michigan was not. Um, but some of my takeaways from the games, Keith Williams, who's a sophomore. Still good. I think he's actually the most improved player this year. It he was didn't get very much playing time last year. Again, okay. All right. If he he's making shots, he's driving to the hole. He's not afraid to have the ball in his hands. Right. Um, it was a real close toss up between him and Trey Scott for me. Um, as opposed as if I'm looking at who's the most improved player thus far, I know it's a pretty small sample size. Right. Um, but Trey Scott is also not afraid to shoot the ball. Not behind the arc. Nope. Not down low. Um, he's banging around down there. Like, I mean, just he's throwing his body around. None of our, let's be real, none of our forwards or centers really have a whole lot of weight to throw around outside mm-hmm. of maybe Sisseme. Um, but in any case, Keith Williams, probably still my most approved player this year so far. Um, also, I love seeing Logan Johnson out there. He's Who doesn't? This, Logan? He, yeah. He's this spark and continues to be. It wasn't like just a one or two game thing. Like right. he's, Every time he's out there, he's just bouncing off the walls. And it's really cool to see a freshman doing that and having that type of effect on the crowd. Um, I was actually on my way out the door yesterday um, with about, I don't know, four or five minutes left. Ran to the bathroom, walked back in, checked the score real quick, saw that Logan was in. Snatched a seat right, <laughs> right by the the entrance. Watch this I, for a little bit. Yeah, I was like, I know there's only like I don't know three and a half minutes left, but Logan's in. I want to see if he's doing anything. You know what I mean? Like he actually drew me back into the game. So I don't know. I mean that dude's gonna be really fun to watch. Um, I know we were talking earlier about UC football and how young they are. And I think we've even had conversations, you and I, uh-huh. about how old we thought some of these players were. And I just want to run down, as we haven't done yet, who is how old on this team. Okay. So we're going to be graduating Justin Jennifer and Kane Broom. That's it. That's it. That's it. So the rest of them are pretty young. Juniors, Nicear Brooks, Trey Scott, Jaron Cumberland, Rashawn Fredericks, who I don't think he's getting enough PT yet. Because when he has the ball in his hands, he's not afraid to drive to the hoop. No. He's not afraid to shoot. Yes. And the difference between Kane Broom averaging 20 points and Rayshon Fredericks averaging 20 points as Juco players is Kane Broom's getting pushed around because he's a small dude in Division One. Right. Rayshon Fredericks is not a small dude. Nope. He's, he's, he's not Jaron Cumberland as a tank. Going from the arc to the cup, but he's not a small dude either. He's playing the three. He's floating between the two and the three, um, but he's not built to be a two. I don't think. No, I think he's built more to be a three. Yeah. Anyway, he I, looks I, good though. He I, looks. He's getting less than ten minutes as every his, game though. Yeah. As his team matures throughout the the next year into next season, then we'll get back into the... Like I said, this team's going to be exciting to watch the young guys play, mm-hmm. and it, we're not going to win a lot of games. We're not going to, you know, like the like, like past teams, um, unless Jaron Cumberland plays like he did last night. But 
it's going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to be a fun team to watch develop, I think. Well, I'm going to continue going through this list, though. Um, John Kaz, walk on. He's the one with the biceps that are bigger than my thighs. Where'd that guy come from? I don't know. Um, he's a junior. Um, sophomores are going to be uh, Keith Williams, uh, Trevor Moore, who I think is actually digressing. Um, he was supposed to be an excellent outside shooter. Right. I don't think he's hit the rim with an outside shot yet this year. Uh, he's had a couple, and it's it's been ugly. Um, he cut his hair. Um, oddly enough, didn't notice that hmm. um, this last game. I did not. Uh, two games ago. Um, Elio Soseme is also a sophomore and everyone's favorite walk-on Sam Martin. Uh, Freshmen are going to be Logan Johnson, Mamadou Diara, um, Laquil Hardnett, who I don't believe has seen the court yet, along with Prince Gillum, yeah. uh, Toyambi. And I, I'm going to guess uh, that they're trying to redshirt both Laquil and Prince Gillum. Knowing Mick, yes, yes, that's what he'll be doing. So um, the only other thing of note I have for UC basketball, unless you have anything else, is there's still no sign of Oscar Robertson. <laughs> no. Except for his picture when he was a young buck on the wall <laughs> next to all the other retired. I wish he had a Twitter page so we could ask him what's up. Uh, he wouldn't know how to respond. I'll see if I can get Bone to respond to me. Um, as we're still running through this stuff again fairly quickly, um, uh, so we can get to some of the longer stuff that we have for you later on. Um, FCC. All indications are that Kenny Walker will not be back. Did you see his, basically his goodbye message? Yes, I saw it on Twitter, yeah. So, I know that it probably feels like Ed and I kind of half-ass our FCC coverage. Um, and we that, don't half-ass it. We're still learning the sport. It doesn't go unwarranted that <laughs> we we haven't been to a, we neither of us went to a game this year. That's fair. That's true. So I, I will say, yeah, we kind of half-assed their argument. Um, it still kind of hurt reading his his goodbye letter. Are you pulling it up? Yep. So as he's doing that, we'll get back to that. Three so far pages? for next year for the MLS, the only names that we know that have been reported by different media outlets are Fernando Adi. If you guys remember, we have referred to him as Cincinnati, Cincinnati since the jump, and it was stolen from us. Um, Fatai Alash, Corbin Bone, who apparently married somebody from Northwest. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, so now we got a connection to the MLS. Um, Emmanuel Ledesma, who was the USL MVP. Um, Jimmy McLaughlin, and Forrest Lasso. Did you find that? Kenny Walker. Uh, I did. Uh, let's see. It's almost like three paragraphs. It's long. Um, let's read see. all of it. But I would like to any? say to all my wonderful teammates and people, I got a chance to be around in the past three years here at FC Cincinnati. I have amazing memories and accomplishments to look back on here in Cincinnati. It has been an honor to be a part of this club and city over the past three years and doing something that will change this city forever. And to every single guy who put on the FCC jersey, all the respect and love because we built something special. Soccer gives me so much more than just the game, and I truly experienced that here in Cincinnati. From building lifelong relationships with teammates and friends that will go well beyond the game of soccer to meeting so many amazing families in Cincinnati Children's Hospital, 
and to the best soccer fans that I've ever experienced on, on, on and off the field. Thank you so much uh, to the ownership group for giving me a chance to play for such a special club. Cincinnati will always have a special meaning to me and my family. I know the future is going to be bright for FCC. Thank you. Now, for those of you who don't know, Kenny Walker was here for all three years of FCC's existence. Um, he was one of the few. And i got to be honest, I mean, I can only imagine how people who are diehards feel. But I, I think the city's going to miss him. Oh, yeah, definitely. I immediately hope that they bring him on in some sort of coaching staff sense because I know after reading up on him a little bit, um, he has flirted with the idea that of retirement before uh, this this whole situation even started to come about. Um, and he attributes it to the fact that he's 29 and it's tough to, for him to keep up with some of the younger kids. Well, which is crazy. Uh, soccer's a it beats you up, man. I guess. I mean, it it kills your knees and it's well, it's a rough. Sport. It's you, not it's not football, but it. I mean, well, it's football. It's not American <laughs> football, but it's it's yeah. You got to figure most of these guys have been playing since they were like three, Young. four, five. Um, it's not something that you just pick up. Like sometimes you'll see a tall dude do from another country, right? Like, and Joel Embiid had been playing for like three years before he was really good. Uh, so, in any case, uh, the only other thing I have on FCC, the hell is going on with Milford Complex? I, you said something on your drive over, but I didn't find anything on the Milford community pages. It's on I checked WCPO. It's on the Enquirer. Um, they are apparently having to rework the deal and refinalize um, they're scheduled to vote Tuesday night on a new document and it's probably that dude again <laughs> him and I don't get along um, it's supposed to serve several purposes it's going to involve Milford's ability to issue debt and reimburse FCC training facility 3.5 million of the 5 million land costs for the soccer facility per original agreements it also includes terms relating to Milford's contribution of the land to the county's port authority and the port authority's subsequent lease of the land to FCC training facility LLC it must um, not be that big of a deal because I cannot find it on Cincinnati's website. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, money generated by the tax will go directly to what tax? Um, Here's the thing. They already have the... Oh, it's the 1% hotel oh, tax is. and all that. It's, it's basically just money distribution. Yeah, that's all it is. Um, and probably the county's like, oh, there's money to be made? How do we make more? Just trying to complicate things even though the land's already been bought and then everything's already been set in motion. So now they're like, break me off a piece. Be better, Milford. Well, I mean, look, the field is already down. They already have the outdoor field down, so I mean, there's no turning back at this point. Well, if you got more to report after you hear more from your Milford sites, well, let us know. I'll look for it. All right. Moving on the Reds. They added two new coaches this week. Um, J.R. House is joining us as the new third base slash catching coach. Uh, he spent the last seven seasons with the Diamondbacks. D-backs. <laughs> uh, last season, he was a minor league coordinator under Mike Bell, who is our new manager, David Bell's brother. So I'm sure he came with a raving review. Sure, yeah. Um, t- 
talk to who you got at Connections, man. That's not a bad that's, connection. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Donnie Ecker is our new assistant hitting coach. Last year he was with the LA Angels, AAA Salt Lake affiliate, um, as a hitting coach. And he also, before that, spent three years with the St. Louis um, Club Cardinals. I'm Cardinals. not sure at which level he was at with them. But um, the only two coaches that have not been ruled out as returning for next season are Freddie Benavides and Billy Hatcher, who, if you remember correctly, were also candidates for the general manager position. Um, we had nine coaches last year, and currently we have five, I believe, between the two new hires with J.R. House and Donnie Ecker, and also the manager, David Bell, pitching coach, Derek Johnson, hitting coach Turner Ward that we talked about last week. Um, all new hires have been highly regarded for their data analysis and focus on mechanics. It sounds like they're literally doing exactly what I said when we needed to bring in a new coaching staff and they're changing the entire culture. Now, the only other hope I have on top of this is that it doesn't stop at the major league level, but that it continues on down through the system. Well, yeah, I mean, we have to have that. We, I'm so tired of being the farm team for all the other teams. Yeah. Like, the actual MLB farm team. Mm-hmm. So, more coaching. I mean, like you said, that's a good thing. Let's I mean, mm-hmm. get these guys, some new guys in here, some new blood, some new culture, and uh, let's, let's, let's move on and win. I don't want another season like last year. Well, all right. I don't. Will the next person that sees anybody throw anything onto this field, point them out, and get them out of here? You don't live in Cleveland! You live in Cincinnati! Yeah, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So, tonight we have another special guest. We have my big brother uh, in my fraternity, pretty much in my life as well. Um, he was part of my wedding party along with Ed, who sits here with me once a week. While I you say listen. my name every, every week. <laughs> while you listen. Um, he is formerly of ESPN 1410 in Dayton and also my alma mater, Wright State, for all you knuckleheads who don't know where I went to college. Um, well, it took you three months to get your profile up on the website, so. That's, that's fine. Be better, right? Yeah. Um, so we have uh, Brandon Kunkel. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. That's, uh, that's WWSU at, uh, at Wright State University, just to clarify there. Sports director there, spent some time at 1410 ESPN Dayton here uh, covering the, the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Cincinnati Reds, as well as uh, other teams in the state of Ohio. You, know, you don't have to live in Cincinnati. You could also live in Dayton, much like I do. And even though I'm closer to Cincy, I've been a, a Browns fan my whole life, and I think that's what's landed me on the podcast this week. Be better, Aaron. I know. We had a, a <laughs> punctuation pardon already. Dang. Way to go. Be Sorry, better. I'll keep, I'll, keep him, I'll keep him to a minimum. <laughs> no, that was on me. I was excited about actually getting a mention right state and jacked up the, the call letters. The letters. So, we do have a segment that when you're on, we're going to call it Bo Knows because those who are close to you do actually refer to you as Bo, which stands for Brandon Oliver, um, being your middle name. 
But we do thank you for coming on the show, taking time out of your night tonight. Um, so we got Cleveland coming up this week. You do yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually I'm honored to be here. I am honored to have my own segment in my first appearance. That's very humbling as well. Um, but yeah, it is a, a great week of football in the state of Ohio. Uh, you have the Battle of Ohio, uh, Cincinnati versus Cleveland, or Cleveland versus Cincinnati, depending on where you live in the in the state. Uh, as well as the game with uh, the Buckeyes taking on that team up north this weekend. So uh, a lot of great things in football looking forward to this weekend. And uh, I think we got ourselves a, a pretty good matchup uh, lined up come Sunday afternoon. I wouldn't have said that roughly uh, about uh, four or five weeks ago that it was going to be a good matchup. No, no, I wouldn't have said it either. <laughs> since, since then, you've seen the Bengals go from hero to zero. You've seen Hugh Jackson literally drive right down 70 what, 75 <laughs> 71 to his uh new no, old 75. home yeah his, his new old home um yeah as the assistant to the head coach to the regional regional head coach assistant, assistant to the regional assistant to the to the head coach the head coach and waiting whatever you want to call him now um yeah it's kind of a, it's funny um, you know, I knew that obviously that's a huge topic in, in this matchup. Um, it makes a lot of sense for Hugh to go back, quote unquote, home to Cincy. Um, worked with Marvin, multiple stops in Cincy. And uh, much like you guys touched on uh, previously uh, in the, the podcast that, you know, they play Cleveland twice still. And they prepare for the rest of the ASD North that Hugh has seen a little bit this week as well, or I'm sorry, this year as well as the uh, the last couple of years while coaching in Cleveland. So it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Hugh has also done – he's also coached a lot of different positions. Um, he's been a you know, the offensive coordinator, head coach. Obviously, he's done, been position coaches. And with Marvin taking over the defense, um, I think that having Hugh as his right-hand man – helps with one head coaching uh responsibilities and two you know an extra set of eyes to to prepare the defense and know what they, they got going in every week not just obviously the cleveland week so well it also helps you know that we have we we just had baltimore you would have thought that seeing as he had already prepared for baltimore twice that that would have helped a little bit more and maybe it did maybe otherwise it would have been worse than 24 21 that we did lose um, but we also have Pittsburgh coming up, which he's also prepared for, um, what, twice, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. He's played twice, yeah. Um, but not with the uh, elite caliber of a quarterback that Andy Dalton is. Huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> we, can, we can get into that conversation a little bit. And I do, I mean, I, I'm not trying to get too statty here, but if you want to dive right in um, before, if we will, I was hoping that we would do uh, – what's in Brandon's fridge uh, to start off the show. I mean, uh, to start off the segment, I should say. As an homage to what it is that you do in everyday life, correct? Of course. And I, I was waiting anxiously for, for us to get this thing rolling, and so I did not crack this beer. I may have had one prior to, but um, since I am representing Cleveland in my uh, appearance here on the podcast, it's only fitting that I go with a, and I'm going to pour as I'm talking here, um, I go with a Cleveland-based brewery, one of my personal favorites, uh, for two reasons. One, their beers are really good. Um, I would try to keep it PG, but they're pretty kick-ass, if you will. Um, and another, it's also in my portfolio that I do sell on a day-to-day basis. Fathead Brewery, uh, it's actually in Middlebrook Heights up there, uh, just outside of Cleveland. And the uh, the beer that I am 
drinking now, consuming. I'm actually smelling, getting the uh, aromas, if you will, is uh, Fathead's Headhunter. It's a 7.5% India Pale Ale, a West Coast IPA, if you will, and is actually the most award-winning IPA in the state of Ohio. Um, this was bottled just 12 days ago on, yeah, 11 8, 18. So it's super fresh. And when Headhunter is super fresh, there's not much better than that in the state of Ohio. So I will raise the glass to you, gentlemen. I hope you have a beer in front of you. Cheers. Well, while we're at it, I know uh, Ed actually has um, a special one because Cincinnati just opened up a new tap house downtown. Did? Yeah. I didn't know about this. Sam Adams. Yep, opened up a new tap house downtown. Oh, this is the one in the old tunnels. Um, I don't know where it's located, but I know they just opened up. Yeah. Well, I'll Google that. All right. So he has a... He'll tell you about it. Well, I have the Sam 76, uh, refreshing flavor, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a lager ale, craft beer. It's probably good because it's from Cincinnati. It's actually not from Cincinnati. Well, it's canned here in Cincinnati. It's canned in Boston, Massachusetts. It, 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 that product is actually canned and brewed and canned in, in Boston. Oh. Oh, it says it right here on the side. Yep. Yeah. But it was just a little toast better. to something going on in our city. I'll be better. And because we are running out of things to get at Kroger that we haven't well, had before. <laughs> I prefer when you guys drink Mad Tree and Urban Artifact because those are two of my Cincinnati breweries. Also, I know you guys have done some old firehouse as well, which is down there in Williamsburg. So there's a few few breweries in my book down there from your neck of the woods. So if they would um, just crack yeah. open more of the six packs at Kroger so I could mix and match a little bit more, that would that would help out. You need to- Need to come up here to some of the Krogers in our area. They got great pick six um, varieties there for you. So, is it frowned upon to crack a existing? Yes, absolutely. I cannot stand when you when when a customer takes it upon themselves to create their own pick six by reaching (laughs) into a six pack and pulling out a bottle or a can. I'll stop. That's actually illegal as well. Oh no, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was Aaron. Say, huh? Illegal. I've I've never actually done it, but. But I, did I digress. Really bad. We're, we're not talk. We're not here to talk about beer. We're here to talk about Browns Bengals. Well, 2018. Correct. Real quick, I got one more. Um, I'm actually drinking Ryan Guy's Dad. Uh, it was my dad's birthday this week. Oh yeah, so, that's right. Happy birthday, Craig um, Lee. Cheers to Craig Lee. We do miss you, Dad. Um, so, yep, yeah, just a, a hoppy red ale. Um, looks like six percent, 48 IBU. Is that the one that's that been is in there their winter seasonal slash Christmas uh, Christmas seasonal that they put out every year. It's a flannel. Tis can. the season. It All is right. a flannel can. So let's go Browns and Bengals. All right. So I don't want to get too statty, and I can't say that I knew all of this. I know I, I will say that I don't. I didn't know all this off the top of my head. I just did a lot of show prep last night as I was watching that epic Monday night football matchup, which I hope you uh, two old fogies were able to stay up till midnight, midnight and a half to, to catch that game. You did mean you? The Madden game? I didn't watch it. The Madden game, yes. I watched. I know Ed didn't watch it. Ed doesn't <laughs> watch football. I was. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was playing NBA 2K. So I, <laughs> well, I, was well, I tell you what, I, I, re I regretted staying up that late, but it was a phenomenal game to watch. And it really I was. was. Prep for the show. So um, it, for those of, the, those of you who missed it, um, it's an instant classic. You'll be able to go back and watch it. Um, it was it was a hopefully maybe a preview of the Super Bowl. I don't know. I think the Saints are, are a force to be reckoned with as well, but Agreed. we're not going to dive into the rest of the league. Again, we're talking Browns, Bengals. Um, yeah. All time, 89 meetings. 89 meetings. Do you know when the first meeting of the Bengals-Browns were in the uh, NFL? I'm going to guess about 44 years ago. So I'm uh, I'm kind of going to test you guys. i got a couple of questions mixed in with some of my, uh, my background with the matchups here. So uh, October 11th, 1970 was the first regular season meeting between the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati huh. actually leads the series 50 to 39 um, in the 89 meetings dating back to the 70s, uh, to, to 1970, excuse me. And uh, Cleveland actually won the very first regular season matchup, 30-27. to 27. Um, But did you know that Cleveland and Cincinnati played three times in 1970? Wow. No. In the playoffs uh, and two divisions. Of course you didn't. No, they actually played a preseason game that Cincinnati won. And then Cleveland went on to win the first regular season matchup, 30 to 27. Cincinnati won the second game of that season, 14 to 10. So they split the regular season there. Both teams won at home um, in that first year. And Cincinnati actually, Cincinnati beat Cleveland in that second matchup, 14 to 10. And they went on to win their final seven games of the season and win the AFC Central by one game over the Cleveland Browns. Got them. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was pretty impressed to know that. I, I mean, obviously, we you know we weren't born in the '70s, and there were some some decades of some good football and some bad football uh, for both of these organizations. But uh, largest margin of victory is actually 34 points by both teams. Um, in 1987, Cleveland won 34 to nothing. In 2015, Cincinnati won 37 to three. So there's some more similarities there. Um, longest win streaks are actually seven by both teams. Um, Cleveland from 1992 to 1995, and then sadly, <laughs> Cincinnati from 2014 to the present. So y'all are rocking a, a seven-game win, win streak right now uh, that we're looking to snap. Another, um, this is the $100 question here. Thanks if you guys watch game day, Reese Davis will do the, uh, the $100 question. If you did your research and you know it, I'm not going to pay you 100 bucks, but... Do you know who the Cleveland Browns head coach was during their seven-game win streak back in the early 90s? Paul Brown. No. No, in the 90s? In the early 90s. I was be, going back in the 70s. Back it, to that be, one. Um, early 90s? Was it Shula? No. No. It was... It was... The Browns head coach during during that stretch, that oh, seven-game win streak. the Browns coach during that stretch, not the Bengals? No, the Browns. Correct. Oh, that would have been um, Bill Belichick. That's what I was looking for. Bill Belichick. Ding, ding, ding. You guys win. I'm not paying you 100 bucks, but at least you uh, were prepared there. Bill Belichick with 8-2 and two versus Cincinnati, including that seven-game win streak. So, um, yeah, it's who would have thought that, you know, old Bill, what he was doing in Cleveland before Art Modell crushed the city of Cleveland and moved them to Baltimore, and they eventually drafted Ray Lewis and won a Super Bowl, and oh, the rest is history. Right. But but uh, not, to, not to be a downer <laughs> on uh, – on the city of Cleveland and the Browns organization. And um, I'd say rest in peace, Art Modell, but I wouldn't really mean it. Um, <laughs> I digress. How many I digress. Ago was um, 
keep it with a little bit more of the background here, finishing up. Both teams won 10 games in uh, the 20 matchups in the 1970s, so actually split um, the, the decade of the 70s. Cincinnati made the playoffs three times. Cleveland made the playoffs twice. Neither of them won a playoff game. Go figure, right? Um, <laughs> Imagine <and> then, that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, then, um, but if you if you look at that, there's you know there's five appearances uh, in ten years for for the combined both teams. Also, both teams were pretty good in the '80s. You know, we were all pretty young back then. You know, I'm uh, not that much older than you guys, but you know, we were too young to really remember what those teams were in the '80s, so to speak. Yeah, uh, obviously, you do know the history, and the the Bengals played in two Super Bowls back in the '80s. And uh, the Browns actually appeared in three AFC championship games. So um, in five of the ten years, you know, the AFC was represented um, pretty well by Cincinnati and Cleveland. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities between these two organizations. Obviously, you know, I hope most of you, and not not you two, but most of the people listening know the backstory with uh, Paul Brown and the organizations and the AFL and the NFL and all that. I'm not going that far back. I'm just going the actual Bengals-Browns rivalry uh, dating back to the 70s here. So, And, of course, we already talked about Art Modell. There's no reason to bring him up again. So. Well, you, you also brought up the game last night. What you didn't bring up is we have the second highest score in a game ever. Yes. I was actually at that ball game. Um, it was, it was a incredible game to be at. Much like I'm, I'm sure last night's was, which is more electric because of the contemporary, you know, uh, theme of the of the NFL. But you know, looking at that, what is it, 14, 15 years ago, fourteen years ago, that it was unheard of back then. You know, for two teams to put up almost fifty points. I mean, it literally, <laughs> not funny not story. I will say we were so at Cincinnati and we were there and it was such a great game. Literally like even like Browns and Bengals fans were like high fiving each other because it was just it was an incredible atmosphere and obviously the Bengals got the best of us in that matchup and um, my mom was actually wearing a yellow uh, a big yellow like heavy winter coat and so after the game was over and the and the the Bengals had won, you know, it was we were upset. We lost, but it was such a great game. We were all pretty happy, and I started pointing out, like, she's really a Steelers fan, and then they just <laughs> ragged on her hardcore. It was it was hilarious, but it, that was it, it was one of my greatest um, the greatest uh, live sporting events I've ever been to. Actually, I, I'm sure you didn't want the game to end. No, you, I mean you you root for overtime at that point because it's absolutely incredible. And that's last night I was not rooting for overtime because I was like I gotta go to bed, you know. <laughs> but it was like the way the way that game was going, it was it was almost like it was destined for it. Um, you know, when uh, St. Louis scored that 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 last time with uh, L.A. You know, with a minute or so, or I'm sorry, the Rams yeah. scored with a minute or two left. I was like, that's too much time. Yeah, I I dozed off on the couch. Yeah, right before halftime. Yet last night, and I saw. I remember seeing the Rams scoop and score that fumble, and I dozed off. I woke up at halftime, and it was tied. I'm like, oh my gosh! I had to go to the, my phone and check out the app, and sure enough, excuse me, sure enough, the, the Chiefs got the ball back and drove down and scored with 15 seconds left. I was like, all right, I got to get up, get the blood flowing. I got to be able to watch the rest of this game. Oh yeah, by the way, I also got to prep for this podcast for tomorrow. So, <laughs> so, so 1980s, the the Bengals won the series. Ten to nine. That's my stat. Ten to nine. The whole yes, the whole and 80s. way to contribute there, Ed. Um, <laughs> hashtag Wikipedia. The uh, yes. the reason that it's an odd number is because of the strike in the eighties. The second matchup of the year was canceled. 
Uh, one up to me. All right. <laughs> Not to get too statty or anything. Well, the Browns have Not to get too statty. In the 90s. But here's all of my stats. <laughs> It's just that's that's more knowledge. It's not necessarily stats. I got I got Cleveland stats sitting in front of me. I got stat leaders here. I got what they did last week versus Atlanta. I got what the Bengals have to prepare for coming into this week. Well, and I was going to bring that up because obviously you know um, we lost twenty four to twenty one to Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson put up one hundred and seventeen rush yards on us to go along with his one hundred and fifty or so um, pass yards. Um, Gus Edwards had one hundred and fifteen. He's an undrafted free agent. Uh, running back who I mean I don't think I don't know if it's the river dance or the fumbles of Alex Collins that Baltimore doesn't like um, but they and they picked up the uh, the guy that Green Bay discarded after he got on Aaron Rodgers nerves mm-hmm. um, they tra- they traded they traded for Ty Montgomery at the yep. uh, at the trade deadline um, and they also had Javorius Buck Allen who looks like he's 45 Um so yeah, they went with the rookie. Um, so with that being said, I see a lot of similarities between Lamar Jackson and, and Gus Edwards and what they were able to do to us um, that you guys have kind of coming in with a very mobile uh, <clears throat> Baker Mayfield along with somebody who I have on my fantasy football team who's paid off in dividends, Nick Chubb. Um, I don't know. It's a very strange thing because... Cincinnati has been heralded for its defense up until Paul Gunther was gone and we brought in uh, Austin, Terrell Austin. Yep. And mm-hmm. we've been decimated by injury on both sides of the ball. Um, but we – you got so many big names and so much money invested in this defense. Did you see this coming with this defense, and are you even scared of this defense at this point? Well, i tell you what. Uh, in my I, – I, again, I've got Cleveland stats – galore here to talk about and rave about my young team and how good they are and what you have to prepare for but i'm realistic too and know we got going into uh into cincinnati uh by the way the cincinnati or the cleveland browns have not won a road game since 2015 which is very easy to believe because they have not won very many many very many games at all since 2015 but uh i truly believe that when cincinnati is 100 percent healthy um they have the talent to compete for division title you know there's tons of weapons on offense and on defense um, but the defense has been very inconsistent and, yes, been decimated by injuries. Obviously, Vontez being suspended, um, guys getting banged up, you know, Hubbard missed some time, uh, you know, getting thin. Uh, also, do you guys hear the breaking news today, which Preston is going to be Brown. one of my keys to the game? Yeah, Preston's out for the rest of the season. Your boy, Preston Brown, From placed on IR today, yep. um, which is, I just said, my keys to the game notes that I added uh, this afternoon. But, um I really think, you know, like I said, there's a lot of talent, uh, a lot of weapons on offense, you know, and, and there's a lot of people who give Andy Dalton uh, a lot of grief. There's a lot of Bengals fans who are like Jekyll and Hyde. That's why I, 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 I don't want to say that I hate Bengals fans because that's not appropriate to say on the Cincinnati bo- podcast, but there's so <laughs> many fair-weathered Cincinnati fans that are such big homers when you're good and you're such dirt bags when you're bad you know and and well, andy Twitter's is always an a scapegoat place. um i was never high on him uh, you know at a tcu nobody really knew who he was and and i think that the Bengals, not I wouldn't say they reached on him but um you know they knew something that some other teams didn't and he's been a, a good quarterback for you guys and throughout his career um i'll get into him a little bit later here as far as the matchup goes but as far as the defense is concerned you know if you guys weren't so decimated by injuries 
uh, I would be I would be like, we, we don't know what to do. You know, are we going to be able to run the ball? Do we have to throw the ball? Like, um, Hugh is going to be able to help with the game plan there. But, you know, with, with Preston Brown being out, you know, not that your D-line that you paid a buttload of money for is underperforming, but they're taking a lot of the, the heat. You know, there's a lot of pressure when you, you know, dump millions of dollars into some rushers uh, and they're not getting the sacks. Well, here's the thing, you know, if the, if the offensive line that they're facing can block those guys, and get into the and, and, and the the running backs and, and anybody out of the backfield or whoever has the ball can get to the next level. You know, you guys talked about Vontez missing four games somehow forgot how to tackle. You know, missed tackles. Um, you know, inexperience back there. Um, your your corners and safeties have been banged up. Your corners and safeties have been very inconsistent this year as well. You know, there's for me. I think that if we can protect Baker Mayfield from that very good pass rush uh i think that we have the ability to to make some big plays because i think that you know you get guys like chubb or jarvis landry over the middle or the ball with duke johnson in space or hell baker with his feet you know you get in space and you make some guys in the middle miss i like my chances against your secondary you know i'm not saying that our receivers are going to burn them you know all day long but i mean as far as like open field tackling and stuff like that i've seen a lot of a lot of big plays because of the inconsistency in defense. So I, I really think it boils down to you're not healthy. You know, you've got some talent back there, but you're also kind of young and inexperienced and, and losing a guy like Preston Brown is, is going to hurt you guys. Um, and again, you guys have ragged on some of your, your, your DBs and you know how they've been playing this year. Yep. I honestly think that I would be more concerned if we were if we were looking at this game, you know, week three or four three. games ago, kind of like you right. said, compared to where we stand now, going into week eleven or twelve. So 11, you're 12. talking about inconsistency. Now you guys, tw- <clears throat> you traded away Corey Coleman in the preseason, as was publicized by uh, Hard Knocks. You also mm-hmm. traded away Josh Gordon. You fired Hugh. You fired Todd Haley. What the hell's going on <laughs> with your offense up there? So that's, and I'm glad you asked that because I've seen the evolution of this offense over the course of some weeks. Um, I was very fortunate enough that, uh, obviously not this week because we were on a bye, but the previous week, uh, Sunday ticket was free. And so I got to watch the Browns beat the Falcons, uh, and it was fun to watch. Um, something's going on there in Atlanta I'm not really sure about, but uh, we reaped the benefit there. Um, it's, it's a young core. Obviously, you know, Baker being a rookie, Chubb being a rookie, um, you know, you look at uh, uh, some question marks at the line. We had a a, a first ballot Hall of Famer left tackle just up and retire on us, you know, going into the season. Now, granted, he had suffered, you know, Joe Thomas suffered the worst injury he ever had in his whole career. I get it. But, um, you know, the expectations in Cleveland, I think, were a little lofty from some people, you know, oh, six, six wins, eight wins. Oh, we could push for a playoff spot. You know, I was never on that train. Um, I honestly thought, you know, four wins was, excuse me, four wins was very, um, very realistic. You know, six wins was a stretch. 500 would have been like, holy hell, hallelujah. Let's throw another parade. Um, but we're sitting at three, six and one. And I, th- I mean, we honestly could have, should have, would have beat, Pittsburgh week one, you know, we, we very well could be 500 right now. Um, and I think that now that this, this new offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens, 
played quarterback at Alabama. Uh, he's been a coordinator. He's got some experience. Um, he's taken over this offense, and I think I think it's really it's it's going to just be fun. Like um, Greg Williams is interim head coach, defensive coordinator. He's going to run the defense. He's got some head coaching experience in the past, um, but. I don't. He has no. I think he has no say in the offense, uh, as opposed to how Hugh kind of wanted to hold on, and Todd Haley didn't have full control, and it's that that all internal struggle. I really thought if Hugh would have got fired, that Haley would have been in place to be Agreed. the next interim head, co- the next interim head coach, and take over the offense and have full control. But I think I think Dorsey and. Uh, and ownership said, no, sorry, you're not going to be the interim head coach. And he didn't like that. And that's why he got fired an hour later. Um, but I really do think that uh, this, this young offense with Baker and Nick, uh, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb going into this game, I think those two guys are, are really, um, really have a chance to shine and really have a, a chance to put their name on the map. Not that they aren't already um, against a, again, inconsistent and injury riddled defense. Well, so you bring up Greg Williams being your head coach, even if it is interim. Um, he actually was making headlines talking about there were several teams out there that I wouldn't even have to interview. They just wanted me to walk in and be head coach. So should you be so lucky to have him as your head coach? You know, I that is I I appreciate the arrogance. Um, if you want to, you want to say all that that stuff that that grandeur that you're, you know, you're you know what don't stink and you know. But at the same time, you were out of the league. You were kind of shunned after the whole um, Bounty Gate yeah. thing in New Orleans after the Super Bowl. Um, he had some success in St. Louis um, because he was in St. Louis when he was at the Rams. Um, I liked the hire. I really did. And and sadly. The, the 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 downfall is I don't know that he has a shot at the head coaching job, um, and I think that if he's not the head coach, he's probably not around next year. And I which is which sucks because I think he's a great he- uh, defensive coordinator. Um, I really think that a new head coach will come in and bring in his coordinators, and there's a chance that he probably won't be around. Um, and no, I may be wrong. I may he may have a chance to get the job. You know, he if if he were to rattle off some wins and, and have a good resume looking going into the offseason, maybe. But I honestly think that an offensive minded coach is what's got to come in here and get people excited and get, you know, ride off, you know, what Baker's done so far and what Chubb has done so far. And you got Landry and you got a young receiving core and, and really a, a good defense, which we haven't talked about the Browns defense yet, uh, which is, I think why uh, the Browns have a good shot this weekend. They are a little healthier and and a little bit better um so you know to say greg williams could just walk in and sign a contract well good on you um but he's really truly auditioning for the browns head coaching job this year also he's a liar um (laughs) 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 i mean let's be real like you, you literally were the guy who headed Bounty Gate. Nobody's just trying to bring you in as, like, the face of your franchise without the only way I be- The only way I believe that is if he could have walked in and gotten the Browns head coaching job <laughs> one time previously. That's the only way. <laughs> That's honestly the only way I believe that. Speaking of which, Tony Pike is still bitter about Bounty Gate. Bounty really? Gate. Well, I, hey, not to, not to detract from Ed's point there, but if the if the Browns were considering Condoleezza Rice for their head coach, they probably would have just signed Greg Williams without an interview. 
So that was my question because you you mentioned that he'll bring in his own defense. Are you already are you eliminating Condoleezza? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she she thankfully eliminated herself. She knows she's not qualified, and it's not being sexist. And I'm not discrediting her, what sh- her contributions to the United States of America. Um, what a weird storyline. There were nobody knew what the hell she was doing on the college football playoff committee. You Agreed. Know? And. And I think that, you know, the concept of running a business and running a country and all that stuff, yeah, great. But she, she doesn't know how to run an organization as far as from a, a sports stand, standpoint. And honestly, and I'm not going to go into a whole other tangent, but there's, there's conversations about that, honestly, both in the Cleveland organization as well as the Browns. Or, I'm sorry, as, as well as the Buckeyes. Like, being a head coach, you don't necessarily have to be – the offensive guru or the defensive guru. You got to be the master motivator. You got to be the organizer. You got to you got to have the culture. You got to be the one to bring the culture to your program or organization. Or you can and be Marvin be guy, Lewis. Say that again. Or you can be Marvin Lewis. Or you can be Marvin Lewis who will just <laughs> let Mike Brown be content with mediocrity. Um you have a have a decent season, losing the playoffs, and then boom, you got a four year extension. So, are you saying she has to be an influential person? He or she? Saying uh, for to take over the Browns head coaching yeah, yeah. job or Condi Rice? Because personally, cause she was four times the times one hundred most influential influential people. You want to try that again? And yeah. I, I, I got, I got, I got what he was saying. I don't discredit that from her, you know, on that standpoint. But w- would she be that influential on a a fifty three man roster full of grown ass men who are looking to go out and beat the snot out of their opponent? Well, if you can dodge can a wrench, you can a dodge Rice? a ball. Can you imagine a Condi Rice pregame speech? Like. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I just don't know. Well, in 2004 and 2005, she was ranked the most powerful woman in the world by Forbes. Listen to Ed getting all statty over here. Number two I in 2006. For, you, I prepped for in Cleveland. He prepped for Condi Rice. He you threw a challenge me. down about him being prepped. The wiki's just great. <laughs> I have to do is type you in. You the wikis or the, the whiskeys? Uh, both. 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 That a boy. Yeah. So, getting back to actual football, <laughs> um, just to kind of pick your brain a little bit, who's been more impressive this year to you, Baker Mayfield or Nick Chubb? So, yeah, this is an opportunity for me to get a little statty for you. Um, Baker, eight games, technically seven and a half played as he took over that second half of the Jets game. Uh, just a 16 yards short of 2,000 yards passing for the year 1984. Uh, passing uh, 13 TDs, seven picks, kind of a lot, uh, but an 87.5 passer rating, very athletic. I love what he brings to the field, the, his his competitiveness. Now, I will never forgive Baker Mayfield for trying to plant the flag in a turf field. That There's a lot work. of Buckeye haters who praise Baker Mayfield for that reason. Um, I actually was gifted a bright orange Baker Mayfield jersey recently from my mom as an early Christmas present that I will wear proudly because I am a Baker Mayfield fan. Um, you, you know me, I'm a, I'm a football guy at heart, you know, football, baseball growing up. Football took over for me in high school. Um, that was my number one sport as far as my favorite go, my, you know, being my favorite. 
and my passion. I coached uh, high school football for six years. Um, you know, that's the kind of kid that I wanted to coach. That's the kind of kid I wanted to play with. And uh, surprisingly, he's only rushed for 111 yards with no rushing touchdowns, and he's fumbled the ball five times. So Baker has turned the ball over 12 times uh, between interceptions and fumbles. I am very impressed with his poise as a rookie, his athletic playmaking ability, and what he can do on the field as a motivator as well as a ball player. Um, the future is bright for Baker Mayfield. But honestly, I've been more impressed with Nick Chubb. I was very high on the pick uh, when it happened. I preferred the other Chubb in the in the in the early round. I wanted Bradley Chubb. Right. Uh, I kind of thought that did you know their cousins? Bradley Chubb Baker Mayfield combination. But I'm also very high on Denzel Ward. Go Bucks. Um, but Nick Chubb, 579 yards on 94 attempts and uh, five rushing TDs last week. He went 20 attempts for 176 yards and a touchdown. Three catches, uh, 33 yards, and another touchdown. And his one rushing touchdown, that 92-yard rushing TD, was a Cleveland Browns uh, record for for longest touchdown. Um, you know, I well, when he's broken off several time, 90 yards. I really thought it was going to be great for uh, a, a, a kind of a two-headed monster with Hyde and and Duke, and then bring Chubb along. I know why they did it. They said, "All right, we're." we're not going to compete for a playoff spot. We can get some value out of this guy who actually Carlos Hyde also has five rushing TDs. Um, he had, or for the Browns. So him and Hyde and Chubb are tied with five rushing TDs to lead the Browns. Um, so Hyde had that before the trade and we got a draft pick back for, for him. And, and he's not really contributed yet to Jacksonville. And I miss him because he was a Buckeye and he had two rushing touchdowns, you know, the night before he went off and, and had a baby. Um, it was a great story, and uh, we kind of miss him, but it really did open the door for Nick Chubb's coming out party. Uh, he was a monster at Georgia, uh, had some really great numbers, had a horrific ACL injury, and Georgia's the kind of school that can bring in, you know, d- Division One caliber, Heisman caliber running backs left and right. So, though, so when they brought in, um, now I can't think of his name, it's escaping me. Oh, Sonny Michelle, who's now in New England. Mm-hmm. They had Michelle. Um, they had Swift, who's still at Georgia, who was a true freshman. Uh, they have three legit NFL running backs on that roster. So Chubb's senior year coming back off that injury, not quite, you know, maybe not quite Heisman-type numbers like he could have put up if he was 100% healthy, maybe his junior year. But uh, I'm 100% satisfied and all on the Nick Chubb train uh, and really excited to see what he can do as the lead back, the feature back in this offense. So you mentioned that Baker only has what 112 yards scrambling, um, 111 yards, 111 with five fumbles. <laughs> yeah, and 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 in that Jets game, he actually finished with negative two rushing yards, which is kind of crazy to me because the Jets are falling apart. Todd Bowles can't even do an interview without sounding like he's on an exit <laughs> interview. Um, but no, I mean, you see a rookie come in like. You know, and I hate to keep drawing the comparison, but it's inevitable. Lamar Jackson, we just had him here. Do you have to say that name? Yes. Okay. All right. So <laughs> he doesn't. I don't. I don't feel anyway that he had the same poise on the field that Baker Mayfield carries himself with ever since he first came in for an injured. Uh, uh, how, how are we pronouncing his name these days? Tyrod or or Tyrod? Tyrod. He's always going to be Tyrod Taylor to me, but uh, Tyrod, a.k.a. Tyrod, according to Hard Knocks. 
and his mother apparently um uh, yeah right <laughs> but yeah i mean because they kind of had the same system I, I feel like anyway um back in college baker was scampering around all the time and to see him not translate that portion of his game to the nfl kind of surprises me well to be honest here's the difference uh lincoln riley at oklahoma well, in the Big 12 in general, that is definitely a passing league um, that is wide open, very little defense, air it out. You know, that's what we saw last night was like that. You know, what we what we see in the Big 12 week in and week out, what we see at Ohio State right now, they're not playing defense, but their offense can keep up. You know, that's kind of what Baker did in college, um, though he had a pretty solid defense. It, for Lamar Jackson, who is also a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, he very much was underrated as a passer. But he made so many more plays with his legs. You know, he was electric. He was track fast. Baker is athletic fast, shifty, move around quick. Lamar will hit a hole and take off like a, a, a bullet out of the gun, you know. So like Johnny um, Manziel I, I, fast? Who's Manziel fast? <laughs> so Baker's like Johnny Manziel fast? I, so I hate that. I, I, I'm sad that you brought that up, that analogy, <laughs> but that's why that was the whole conversation of the draft pick is the analogy there. All the haters uh, kind of uh, attributed all of Baker's um, abilities to Johnny Manziel, and they were very similar in college, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, Two of the best athletic quarterbacks in college football history, honestly. You know, And I will, as much as I have a disdain for Manziel because of the things that he did to piss away his career and and all that stuff, and and I and not that I think he could have panned out in Cleveland, but he could have given himself a better shot, um, you know. But there are similarities, and there are a lot of things. Um, you know, Baker did have that one awesome run, one late night drunk in Oklahoma, outrunning the cops and got sacked for a <laughs> loss. Um, there's that similarity uh, for him and and, and Johnny football, but. Um, Baker is more poised. Baker is more pro ready. I think he's a little more mature. Um, Johnny was, he came from money. He was spoiled. He was playing football for fun and happened to be good enough to go to the NFL. Um, Baker, he worked his ass off to get where he is. He's a walk on, a two time walk on, walked on to Texas Tech, walked on to Oklahoma, had to earn his keep, earn his spot, um, earn his damn Heisman trophy, um, earn that win against the Buckeyes. You know, he, he really has, um, he really has worked his ass off and, and, and deserved everything he's gotten. So I see the comparison there uh, in definitely different circumstances, circumstances excuse me, than Lamar Jackson. Um, Lamar, I think, still looks kind of like a gadget quarterback that he has been used all year. And he's going to have to learn how to throw the ball. He's probably going to play the majority of the rest of the year, if not the rest of the year. Um, and he's got some weapons around him. You know, that, that Gus Edmonds, that was unbelievable. Buck Allen, he's a pretty. He's had a down year, but he's a good back. Alex Collins had a breakout year last year, but he's got Crabtree on the outside, Snead on the outside, Smoky John Brown. Brown on the outside. Yep. They've got like seventeen tight ends. Like they've got weapons there. A first and round pick, even. Is, they 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 spent a first round pick on a tight end, um, Hurst, I think it is. Hayden Hurst, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was hurt coming into the season. He was kind of high on my fantasy radar um, because of his career and his size. He's a freak. Uh, he's like six 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 seven. He actually played minor league baseball uh, before he was drafted out of Arkansas. But there's a lot of weapons there, and there are some similarities. But I think that the difference between Baltimore and Cleveland is that 
Baltimore's system is in place, and Lamar has to fit that mold. There's a lot of fun going to happen in Cleveland, especially against the Bengals, because we got to throw some wrinkles in there that that uh, old Hugh is not going to be whispering to Marvin's ear. And I think that, that Kitchens is going to bring that little bit of that college-type element to it and more fitting to Baker um, and, and what he's used to. So, Well, I'm not sure why I keep talking badly about the Bengals, but but Marvin's not going to be able to whisper anybody's in anybody's ear because he can't figure out how to use that button on his headset. Yeah, you heard about this, didn't you, Brandon? I did not. So the first drive of the game, Marvin Lewis, who has not been a coordinator in many years, since 2004, I believe, is the last time he actually called plays. Um, So he was not familiar the first drive on how to, which button to press to actually communicate with the linebacker on the field, who, by the way, was Hardy Nickerson. And it was the first time he ever wore the helmet that had the communicator in it. And so there was a huge disconnect between Marvin Lewis and the linebacker because they literally could not communicate. Man, is that not such a Bengals thing to happen? It well, sounds like a Browns thing to happen. The Bengals say, just pulled it off well. <laughs> one time, okay. one time that's, that's you guys a Marvin thing. Yeah, one time you guys didn't file a trade. Yeah. So that was <laughs> Remember how was well that, that worked out for you? There was that. Well done. That worked out beautifully. It did. Actually. That worked out beautifully. Because uh, now A.J. McCarron didn't play a snap in Buffalo in the regular season. He's backing up Derek Carr on a terrible Oakland Raiders team. So, Which, thank God that I think, didn't work out for us. I think Oakland's actually worse than you guys. So, Hey, we have three wins. There's a few teams worse than us, okay? Oakland can't even tank and right. A, and a tie. <laughs> Oakland can't even tank right. They won last night. Um. Obviously, the big story here the last couple weeks has been A.J. Green. Um, We have seen um, how much he is, some could call it a crutch, to Andy Dalton um, and kind of inflating the quarterback that he is because he's such a prolific wide receiver. Um, Others would say that he might just be the cog that makes all the other pieces turn in our offense. Whichever way you look at it, though, if he doesn't play this week or even if he plays limited, who else are you most worried about on our offense? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because you, you're, now you're starting to get into my keys of the game. I feel like we're going a little bit long here, but this is it's, this is the week to talk Bengals and Browns because it is Bengals and Browns. Um, one of my keys of the game was will A.J. Green play? Um, you know, A.J. and Andy, I believe they both came in the same draft with 2011, right? Correct. Am I wrong? Correct. Yep, that is very um, correct. So Andy Dalton and A.J. Green uh, have been together since 2011. Andy Dalton is... I'm going to get statty for a second. Andy Dalton is 11-3 and versus Cleveland. The worst game of Andy Dalton's career, I know this is hard to believe, the worst game of Andy Dalton's career was on November 6, 2014. He posted a QBR of 2. two I remember that. Not 20. I remember that, that game. Mm-hmm. The, the Browns won 24-3, to but, of course, since he has not lost since. Um, they won the last seven meetings by a combined score of 213-63. to since he has scored at least 30 points in six out of seven of those games, and Cleveland has scored 17 or fewer in all seven of those matchups. And the catalyst there, I believe, is A.J. Green. He is one of the top, I would say, it depends. If you look at it from a statistical standpoint or a fantasy standpoint, it doesn't matter. He's a top three, top five receiver in the league. 
and there are weeks that he shows up and he looks like the best receiver in the league, and there are weeks that he shows up and you wonder if he actually showed up. So that's a big question. Um, I did actually, that was one of the things I looked up as I was waiting to come on with you guys. He is trending in the right direction. There is a good chance for AJ to play this week, which I think will be huge. Um, because what that would do is that would essentially tie up our best defensive back. Denzel Ward will be, who is a rookie, will be locking down AJ with some help over the top, which could open up some things for your offense. But if AJ doesn't play, honestly, I feel like Gio uh, Bernard is the biggest threat in the passing game. Uh, he's a huge threat uh, out of the backfield. I, I love Gio Bernard uh, from a fantasy standpoint, much like I love Duke Johnson uh, for the Browns from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, they are PPR monsters, they get yards, they catch balls, they also get touches, too, to give spells uh, to the starting running back. So Cincinnati is very young at receiver, thin at tight end. I think there's more injuries at tight end than there are at, at linebacker. But, um, you know, if, if the Browns can shut down Tyler Boyd, who I'm, I'm also very high on, uh, broke all kinds of Larry Fitzgerald records at Pitt, doesn't mean he's the second coming of Larry Fitzgerald, but I knew that he would come into his own a couple of years into the league. Uh, I honestly don't feel like John Ross can beat you. You know, he may be able to beat you down the field, but if he outruns you and you're burnt on a streak, he's probably going to drop the ball anyways. Um, but I really do think that uh, that Geo will be the biggest threat as far as replacing AJ in the passing game. But ultimately, the Browns have to shut down Mixon in the run game. So John Ross is Antonio Callaway noted. <laughs> and, and you are right. I've got Callaway in a fantasy league. I've only held on to him because it's a marriage with Baker on my bench in a, in a different formatted league. And you are right. Uh, Callaway may lead the, the team in targets, but he also leads the team in drops. Score. All right. So are we missing any points that you have to uh, keys to the game here? Well, if, if we want to kind of put a bow on it, if you will, my keys to the game here are that Baker must be able to make plays with his legs to avoid the Cincinnati pass rush. Again, that's what I talked about with you guys being yep. um, thin at linebacker and your DBs are inconsistent. Uh, if, if he can get to the second level and make some linebackers miss um, and some DBs miss, he might be able to hit for some big runs, maybe to convert. Uh, third and third and long situations, or perhaps even bust a long TD run. I think that's a, a huge key for us for maybe Baker to have a little more of that college element uh, in this matchup than he has in games past. Uh, but also, Cleveland's got to try to run the ball. They've got to be able to pound Chubb uh, to wear down the defense. Uh, Duke Johnson will be one to watch in the passing game. Like I, I touched on his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield change it up um i think that you know seeing chubb and duke on the field at the same time is big for the the cleveland defense or excuse me the cleveland offense and uh, if that keeps callaway on the sidelines i'm i'm, I'm all about that too uh, but he's still valuable in the checkdowns, uh, which sometimes i think is baker's second read i think baker's looking for the landry if landry's not open he looks for duke and if duke's not there he's off and running and i think that they can create some big plays but ultimately to have success they got to be able to run the ball um, and limit mistakes. You know, you can't turn over the ball. You can't. You, you can't throw interceptions. You can't fumble the ball. You got. You got to have ball security. And penalties have have been uh, have been the downfall of the Browns so far this year. I, there's been some conversation about the, the refs kind of screwing the Browns. And there's some different situations where 
you know, they could have cost him some games with some calls um, in some bad spots. But ultimately, you know, penalties are penalties. And if, if you, uh, you know, if you're holding or you're grabbing face masks or you're interfering, you know, you know, penalties are penalties. And if you can limit those uh, turnovers and penalties and limit those stakes, you got a real chance to win. Um, and also a great way to do it, too, control the clock, keep the ball, keep Andy Dalton and that offense off the field and do what we can to beat the defense. Kind of on the flip side of that, I think that our keys to the game are going to be Joe Mixon and establishing the run. Um, I know you've already talked about Geo and all of that, and I think that's kind of my number two point, which would be we have to find another weapon. If AJ isn't playing, or even if he is playing, you got Tyler Boyd, but if you're double-teaming Tyler Boyd when AJ's not on the field, who else you got? And if you're not yeah. running the ball, is Joe Mixon even a threat at that point? Because for me, mm-hmm. the last thing I want is Cody Core on the field for fourth and third, or fourth and three rather, and that's who you're hitting because he's not catching anything. You hit him in the numbers. The ball bounced off his chest, and unfortunately, that's not the first time that's happened. So we have to be able to find a viable option behind even Tyler Boyd if AJ is not on the field, and that's got to come through. To your point, Geo or even somebody who has more sure hands, whether that be an Alden Tate, whether that be um, Alex Erickson, who's you know back there. I know you don't want to get your returner injured. I get it. But at the same time, if he's got sure hands, you got to get the guy out there who can catch the ball. Um, you know, beyond that, though, I, I don't – you already said, you know, we're, we're thin at tight end. We're, we're thin at – everywhere and that's the thing I, like i said the when 100 healthy the Bengals are are, are a, a solid afc north uh divisional foe and, and i can't say that not in the sense of like they're competitive with the browns because they've been beating our dicks in for you know seven straight <laughs> games but um i think that if we can defensively put some pressure on andy dalton and force him into some bad situations maybe i wouldn't say force uh, Mixon to beat us because I think he can because um, he is good and Geo's back like I you know, like I said and um, they they will and we're kind of on the same page we think both offenses need to try to run the ball a lot and and that's why part of me thinks that this this game being a rivalry game you know you throw the records out the window and you show up and blah blah blah. You know, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive football game. I think some points will be scored, but I think the defenses will play well. Even though both of these teams are near the bottom in team defense uh, in most categories and literally are the bottom two in total yards allowed. Um, I think that, uh, and I won't get into my prediction score here, but I, I do kind of have two sides that I think it'll be, it could be a competitive game where both defenses do shut up, shut up, show up and, and shut down the offenses or limit the offenses. Or it could be the flip side. This could get into a kind of, not like a a 55-51 final, but, I mean, there could be a little more scoring than we kind of anticipate uh, if it turns into a, you know, a passing showdown. You know, but but I think you you and I are both on the same page to where we think that both teams really need to establish the run and and pound the ball to really have any success um, going into Sunday. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it comes down to, you know, we joked about it earlier, but it comes down to, Callaway versus Ross. Catch the damn ball. <laughs> that's, that's terrifying. If that's what it comes <laughs> down to, I'm not going to watch the game. I don't think I want to watch him in that situation either. I mean, <laughs> if, if AJ doesn't play, it comes down to that. If AJ plays, it's a whole different ball game. And, you know, no, no, 
but dis- is it? <laughs> no disrespect, sorry. but I mean, that's not looking good for you guys if we have a, a superstar like AJ out there and you have Jarvis Landry it, catching 18 times well, for 42 it, it, yards. Well, but here's but here's the thing. Uh, Jarvis Landry has 57 catches for 600 yards and only two TDs. The dude gets targets and gets catches, yeah. but he, it's all like short underneath. He's, he's our possession saying. guy. He's our slot guy. 18 he catches is, for 42 yards is not a crazy stat line for Jarvis no, Landry. Not a good one. But it's, 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 it helps with possession. It helps move the ball. You know, he's not the guy. In Miami, he had more bombs down the field where he's catching these long touchdowns, and he's not getting that here because we've got Callaway on the outside to stretch the field. You know, he should be a target guy. He should be a 10 to 20 catch guy. He he should be close to 100 yards, you know. Um, But, you know, there's – that is is uh, there's still some things to be seen again for I think from Baker and and the offense and how they evolve with Freddie Kitchens as the OC. Um, But to your point, you know, I I do think, you know, Denzel Ward has played really well, leads the team in picks with three, you know, he's a rookie, but he's getting matched up with all the number ones. And I, and going back to my, I wanted Bradley Chubb kind of pick. I was not mad about the Baker and Denzel Ward uh, combination because you got to look at the AFC North. You got AJ Green twice a year. You got Antonio Brown twice a year. And now the Baltimore doesn't have a true number one, but they've got some depth there uh, at the receiving core. So you've got to have a true lockdown corner. And Denzel's kind of big. I mean, he's like 6'1", 6'3", in that range, kind of tall, lanky. So he can match up with these bigger receivers. He's athletic. Um, you know, he he actually, sadly, is kind of the part of the reason why we lost the Oklahoma game. The Ohio State lost the Oklahoma game um, a year ago. But... Uh, I think he's playing really well. Miles Garrett is living up to his number one pick, number one overall pick um, stature. He, you know, leads the team with nine sacks. The next closest guy is four and a half. Um, the, the sad defensive stat again. I hate getting too statty with you, but our leading tackler is Demarius Randall with 49 tackles. That dude is a safety. You know, when your safety is leading, you know, if you have a safety leading your team in tackles, it's not Troy Palomalu or Ronnie Lott or. You know, it's there's there's a problem, and it's a lot because there's a lot of penetration from the running backs and the underneath where guys at the line and the and linebackers aren't making plays where the safety has to come up and do it. And I think that AJ is a really a big factor. I also think that, like I said, the Preston Brown injury uh, I think plays a big key role as well. But ultimately, AJ on the outside for Andy's sake, uh, I think is probably the biggest key to the game there uh, going into the matchup on Sunday. Well. If you had to make a prediction, here we are. What you got? So I'm not a big. I, I I don't like to. I don't like to be wrong, and I don't like to look like an idiot if I totally spout off and say something that's asinine and and whatnot. But that's kind of the that's the nature of the game. So uh, Sunday forecast is 54, partly cloudy, partly sunny. However you want to look at it. I will be uh, coming back from Miami, Florida from Thanksgiving. I will hopefully come back into a, 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 a nice Sunday afternoon to watch that matchup. Uh, Cleveland is actually getting three points, and the, uh, the over-under is 47.5. So those numbers lead me to believe that um, the, the Vegas odds makers think it's going to be a pretty good game. You know, three points is about standard. Uh, for you know a favorite and a dog and, and what they think you know it's not quite a coin flip um, I don't know I, th- I think since he would probably still be favored if it was in in Cleveland um, but that number would maybe like a one and a half or so um, I would actually 
I would probably lay some money on Cleveland uh, and take the over. Um, I just think it's going to be a pretty good game. Um, I, like I said earlier, I think it could get it could be close, or it could kind of. I mean, it could be close in a low scoring game, or it could be close in a high scoring game. But my my final prediction as of last night, I said Cleveland twenty seven, Cincinnati twenty four. The Browns bring the dog pound to Cincy and uh, and get that first road victory since two thousand and fifteen. I'm going to be short and sweet. 24-21 Bengals. 14-14 You say 14-14 tie? <laughs> well, the Bengals have t- or the, the Browns have damn guys. near tied about six times this season. And that's why I think it's going to be a tie. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, All right. That's well, great. Um, so I, I caught you a minute ago saying we. I know I'm gonna I'm gonna segue this. Um, you you were saying we, and I just want to remind you that this is a Buckeye state, and you can't spell that without UC. Yeah, that's true. However, it is Ohio State Michigan week, and I know you got something to say, so take your platform. Well, I was just trying to give you guys some bonus coverage, um, and and a side note, we had kind of talked pre-show and some prep about the UC uh, conversation with UCF. You know, Aaron and I we we were texting back and forth most of the game. Um, first half, fairly entertaining, kind of close. UCF kind of pulled away. I will give you some props because you, you spoke to some things that a lot of the experts were talking about afterwards uh, about how the, the story of the game really was UCF's defense, who did not get a lot of love coming into this matchup. Uh, there, was a lot of, um, there was a lot of things that everybody knows UCF's offense, their explosiveness, they're putting up points. You know, they average 30, you know, plus 30 points in their win streak, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, the defense, I think, was the key for that win there. And I'm, I'm high on UC. You know, I, I hope Urban sticks around, and I think that, uh, that, that Brom will take the Louisville job, and I think that Fickle will at least hang around for one more year for your guys' sake. Because it's really exciting what he's doing down there in Cincinnati. And uh, I do think no knock on the program with it being a, you know, a, 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 the, the next five, the group of five, um, I think it will be kind of a stepping stone job for him, but for your guys' sake, I hope he's around for a little bit. Um, Us too, because we play you guys September 7, 2019. Confirmed. Next year. All right. Well, uh, that will be an exciting... I hope I'm on the podcast before then, <laughs> but you definitely book me for uh, book me for that matchup uh, indeed. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing what you see, how they can close out the, uh, the season as well as what they can do in the, uh, the postseason of the bowl. But uh, your segue was beautiful into the game, Ohio State versus that team up north, uh, Saturday at noon, as it always is, <laughs> all time. Scum leads the, uh, leads the series 58-49 to 49 with six ties. Ohio State has won six straight. This game is in Columbus. Uh, I think that Dwayne Haskins, J.K. Dobbins, and Mike Weber, if he's healthy enough to play, he did not play last week, must have big games. Ohio State's defense has been atrocious. Um, Sorry, linebackers uh, know you don't have Bosa anymore. He was really good. Well, and, and I, that's, that's in my notes too, yeah. Linebackers <laughs> are nowhere to be found. Safeties are playing 15 yards off the ball and missing tackles. Sounds kind of like the Bengals I was going to say, it sound, it, I've um, heard this story but, before. <laughs> but the... The pass rush has been last lacking, and uh, don't get me started on how bad we miss Joey Bosa because uh, though we Draymond Jones and Chase Young were you know playing with their hair on fire the first few games after 
after Joey was gone, they've I wouldn't say non-existent, but the pass rush has not been there like it like it was. So um, th- that team up north offense has not impressed me as as much as as they you know maybe they have the voters and everybody Michigan. else in the country. Um, Shea Butterson, I like to call him Shea Butter instead of Shea Patterson. Uh, I think he would have to take over the game with his feet, and he's shown some flashes. Uh, he, he's not really impressed me as a passer, um, but again, with our inconsistencies on defense, you know, hell, Ed might be able to go out there and relive his flag football days and, and throw it around against Buckeyes defense right now. He's but, got soft um, hands. Ultimately, I got close. Ultimately, I. It, <laughs> Their star linebacker, Chase Winovich, his status is unclear for the game. Um, that could be a big factor. They're missing their standout linebacker. Uh, they do have another projected first-round linebacker out there, but if they're, if they're short a guy on defense, uh, that could help us in the run game. Um, and I think it might be, like, a, like I said earlier, like a Big 12 game. It could be a shootout. It could be a high-scoring game. Uh, more like a Big 12 versus instead of a Big 10. But I really do think that with the game being in Columbus, um, all the rumblings of Urban might retire and step away this year and all this nonsense. Uh, ultimately, I think that uh, it, it, it boils down to it's the game, and the Buckeyes will show up this weekend for the game, and they will come out victorious. Uh, I think the line was like three, three and a half. Uh, I don't like that. I would not put any money on it. Uh, I would not um, – I would not – pick the Buckeyes to win that, cover that spread. You know, I don't care if they win by one or a hundred, as long as they get the win in the end, that's all that matters. Well, you mentioned Big 12. Um, some of the news coming out today is the Big 12 is talking about expanding again. I don't know what Ed's doing right now. Go ahead. Uh, Alright. Um, but yeah, Big 12 is talking about expanding again, and uh, UC is already being kicked around as one of the teams being considered, so just saying. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Right. I, I'm just, I was listening to the Saturday morning cartoon intro. <laughs> <laughs> just didn't hear anything. Um, no, I just wanted to throw that out there about you talking Big 12. Um, it'd be nice and, to be. And I tell you what, I thought that UC was uh, UC is a, a good candidate for expansion in a few conferences. You and I have had this conversation right. before. I think with them being more of a basketball school, the ACC ACC. makes more yep. sense mm-hmm. instead of the AAC. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I think they are a, a, a decent fit, and we who they could beat in the Big Ten, but they'll never get into the Big Ten. Um, I don't know that the Big Twelve is the best conference for them. But the thing with that is, like I said, they don't play a ton of defense. And if you can bring a, if you have a Luke Fickle, a defensive-minded coach with a good defense coming into that kind of conference, um, you can kind of shake things up. I mean, hell, uh, uh, the Big 12 school, Kansas, for God's sakes, they hired Les Miles. You know, they're changing some things up too. So, did you see his um, the West his, Virginia? The did West you see Virginia his conference, fit, by the way. Um, I'm sorry. Did you see Les Miles's conference, by the way, where he just kind of had like a brain aneurysm and stopped talking? <laughs> he, he, he was trying to go in the, co- in the in the direction. I think he was trying to say like doing big things in the community or something like yeah, that. And and yeah, just, that was awful. It was um, uncomfortable. It's a, it's a good it's a good hire for Kansas. Um, I saw on game day this weekend that Kansas. I, I think it was a decade ago. Um, Kansas was ranked like number two in the country, which is hard to believe considering they didn't win a game for like four years or something asinine like that. But uh, yeah. 
but yeah, I think that you know UC again a program on the up and up. Basketball program always been established. Uh, the football program, uh, the additions to Nippert, you know, making that a a, a bigger, better facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great environment to play in. Mm-hmm. Uh, great college football atmosphere. I think that they are a good candidate for expansion. I, I just the AAC is it's like. You know, it, it, it is like that, little, it's that next five. There's no, there. uh, there's no real way to, you know, to go up from there. And I think that if you can get to a bigger conference with a better affiliation there, uh, it gives your yourself and your your program a shot to compete for, um, you know, yeah, compete for a national championship if you're like a UCF, or to give yourself a a better stage uh, and national representation. I think it gives us a couple more years with a Luke Fickle as well. I digress. Very, poss- very possibly. I think it really depends on what all what all jobs come about. Right. Um, I, I don't. I don't. Luke Fickle's not going to take a Pac-12 job. He's probably not going to. He wouldn't take a Big 12 job. You know, if UC moved into that conference, boom, there you are. Uh, I see him in a cold weather, uh, you know, northern slash east coast type conference. Um, ultimately, if- Big Ten. Uh, would make a lot of sense, you know. I don't, I don't know that he would take the Purdue job. Daryl Hazel, who was there before Brom, he was in, Ohio, he was at Ohio State for a little while uh, as an assistant. I don't know that Fickle would take like a Purdue if Brom moved over, um, or if there were an, another like an East Coast, in which we again we had the conversation about like Rutgers and Maryland not really having right. uh, any business in the uh, Big Ten. In the Big Ten, mm-hmm. but we do know that Maryland is on an interim coach basis right now too so uh who knows uh and it's no knock on uc but bigger programs bigger conferences also equal bigger bigger uh coaches salaries and contracts well if urban meyer forgot where his office was you know i could imagine luke fickle ending up there yeah that's true <laughs> you know what you know what he does? He actually just hits that little button on his keychain that leads him to his national championship trophy and his it just guides him right to his uh to his office. You at least he knows keychain. At least he knows where the buttons are that he needs to push to, you know, communicate those types of things. But he may have forgotten he had the keychain. Uh, we don't have to turn. We don't have to turn the end of this interview. This segment, this <laughs> my segment, so no. We don't have to make it ugly and personal here. I know we're. I know we're already running long. But if we want to get, I just want to make it. I ugly, was making a Marvin Lewis Urban Meyer joke. That was all that was. Um, in any case, good point. Uh, while we got you here, we're just going to go right into rounding third because um, we've gone long enough already. I'm not ready to say goodbye yet. We are doing kind of a small segmented rounding third. And just because we don't want to say goodbye to you yet. So we only have three questions. I'm going to be asking all of them. So what's your favorite part what about if Thanksgiving? Have, what if I have a question? Sorry to interrupt. That's fine. You can ask a question too. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Aaron. Who are you asking first, Aaron? It doesn't matter. Whoever wants oh. to answer. What's your favorite part about Thanksgiving? Turkey. No. Sweet potato casserole. <laughs> And um, green beans with those French's onions. I mean, on top. is it is it the food? Is it the football? Is it, is oh, it being around assumed. family and all that? Because my next question is actually, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? Oh snap! Uh, football. It's uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite. It's football. <laughs> Just Brandon, like a seven-year-old. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Um, honestly, for me, it is. It is Thanksgiving. It's the tradition of um, things have changed over the course of. Uh, 
uh, five to ten years with you know having a wife and kids now and, and the way things are treated um, but my, my memories are always you know getting up you know going to one side of the family eating some food watching football going to the other side of the family eating some food watching some football so ultimately it is food and football um, but it's all centered around being around family and that's what means the most to me um, you know I'll be traveling to Miami to go hang with the in-laws so I will be wearing short shorts uh, drinking turkey, drinking my wild turkey, eating my turkey turkey uh, on Thanksgiving. But ultimately, I'm just uh, I'm just thankful to be around my family on the holiday. I'll Jeez. Be going, thanks for making me sound like a horrible dad. I'll be going to Massachusetts where it's like five degrees, so that's fun. Yeah, enjoy enjoy that nor'easter. Twelve hour drive. I'll be waking uh, up early to play some flag. So your favorite side, Ed? You said was oh sweet potato sweet casserole. Potato casserole. <laughs> All right, Brandon, what you got? Um, so I actually thought about this earlier because uh, Golik and Wingo were there, there's a chance that that Golik might uh, rank sides tomorrow, he and I got to should. thinking to myself. I said, "Hmm, if I had to choose, I'm a, I'm very much a stuffing slash dressing guy. That's a good point. Um, Homemade I, or stove I top. enjoy uh, both. You know, actual turkey stuffing. I enjoy a dressing being made. I like them." to be moist and succulent. I like them to be a little bit dry and crunchy, uh, which neither of those sound appealing necessarily, but uh, I would say my favorite Thanksgiving side is the stuffing slash dressing. That's fair. All right. Um, I forgot to answer the favorite part about Thanksgiving, by the way. Oh, yeah, what's your favorite part? Um, You you did. (laughs) I did. Uh, My favorite part is probably the nap. Oh, yeah. Um, Selfishly. It's just a fan (laughs) between the turkey and the football and propping feet up and being around everybody. There's literally no stress anymore at that point because dinner's already done. Um, Nobody's freaking out. Kids are usually calming down. It's, you know, about getting dark at four 30. Um, so (laughs) for me, it's, it's that, that nap. Um, and then my favorite side, I'm going to say mashed potatoes and I don't even require gravy. I'm just going mashed potatoes. Does it have to be real mashed potatoes, or it has to be those like the spuds in the box? Um, I'm going homemade mashed potatoes on that. And so are you yeah. going Russell, or are you going red? Um, no, I don't like the red mashed potatoes. No, no, not like not like, like just the regular. Russell, thank not you. Russell. Do you like the skin on, or do you like the skin off? I don't really care as long as somebody else is making them. Okay, it's fair. Can't be picky don't sleep on the Bob Evans microwavable mashed potatoes. Hey, no, nobody's doing that. Listen, your boy over here, nobody's this guy, this guy brought to Ed's Friendsgiving this past week. He brought Bob Evans straight from Bob Evans it's mashed still potatoes, in, still in the refrigerator, and I have some after this interview. All right, um, do you get dressed up to sit in the living room, dining room, wherever you do your Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> I put a hoodie on, usually a pair of shorts, and probably something wrapped around my knee because I'm always getting injured in the in the Thanksgiving morning football. So, no, Brandon, I feel like you guys are dressed up people. Well, not to make Ed look like a slob one more time, but yes, <laughs> I usually make sure that I wear a collar. Uh, it is an appropriate to sit in a holiday. living room. To wear a collar, it's at least a little bit of a dress up. I, so I'm not a I'm not a huge I'm not I'm not a church goer. Period. But the church that I went to as a youngster was a very casual church. But you still kind of wore a collar out of respect for grandma. 
and uh, I kind of feel that same way when you're going into the holidays. So I'm usually like... However, however, I'll probably wear a tank top and swimming trunks because I'll because be in Miami, in Florida. Because I'll, yeah, I'll be in Florida. There it is. Yeah, we, we don't even feel bad about the Ohio State jokes anymore. Um, nope. Yeah, I'm, we're going to Massachusetts, like I said. Um, Mom's going to be there. All the kids are going to be there. There's going to be photo ops because we haven't seen Alyssa's family since, like, July. So, yeah, we'll probably be in... Again, also some like some type of collar or nice ish, but sweatpants shortly thereafter when the uh, when the photo ops are over. You're gonna wear a turtleneck. Ooh, no, not unless what I have a chain. Old a chain. school mock neck, half turtleneck sweaters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I have one of those in my senior photo. Have you never listened to uh, Lonely Island? Me Ed? too. She liked me for my chain and my turtleneck sweater. <laughs> Never heard that one. It's literally the name of an album. Um, Ed, what are you thankful for? Oh, put me on the spot. Yep. Uh, friends, family, and uh, not his computer. Two friends living large in Texas. <laughs> Texas forever. Texas forever. Texas forever. Is what that a good answer? That's a good answer. Yes. <laughs> what you got, Brandon? Um, but well, I'm first of all, I'm, I'm not that I'm thankful for, but I do. I am thankful that you guys uh, had me on today. I'm glad to be a part of the program. You guys are doing big things, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, family. You know, like I said, I, uh, you know, being able to spend time with the family, and we just celebrated. Actually, today is Carter Grace's fourth birthday. It's happy just hard birthday. to believe. Um, so happy birthday to her! Shout out to to my firstborn. Um, but ultimately, man, I got happy and healthy family is all I can ask for. You know, I got a roof over my head. I got a good job and, and a great family and, and, and good friends that I can sit here and shoot the shit and talk sports and nonsense with. Uh, it's, uh, it's a good day. I'm thankful for my wife who puts up with me and my nonsense. I'm thankful for... We're thankful for her too. Man. Um, I'm thankful for my family who's always been incredibly supportive. I'm thankful for the opportunity to get to do this once a week with somebody who we just had been doing this anyway between the two of us and now people actually want to hear it um thankful for the people who actually listen oh yeah um so there's that so i don't know there's plenty of stuff to be thankful for i'm sure i'm missing about 84 different things right now and that's probably on the short list but um that's what i got right now so brandon you want to stick around for bum of the week can you come up with a question oh yeah you did have a question what you got well, I, no, I, we, I was going to save it for another time, but uh, I, I would like to see, uh, to ask, what is your favorite football movie of all time? I know mine. Real quick. Go. Oh, any I given Sunday. Sorry. Yep, any given Sunday. Al Pacino in that speech at the very end where he's, it's the difference between winning and losing, between living and dying. It's all about the inches in front of your face. Yeah. It's the inch. Huh? It's the inch. It's the inch. Yeah. The whole speech is about the inch. Mine I, pr- I probably is... messed up the quote. But yeah. It's a toss-up between Invincible and uh, Remember the Titans. Marky Mark versus Denzel. Yeah. Good. Well, I, kn- I know your homerism to um, Friday Night Lights, the TV series. Show. Yeah, I was I was curious if that if that also was uh, your favorite movie. There, yeah. I, I've always 
been, you know, I watched Varsity Blues every night, every Thursday night before Friday, because I, I played on the Friday night, um, and that was kind of, that, that played more to me. But remember, the Titans came out back then when I was in school, so that probably ranks up there as my, as my number one. But I've got a long list of favorites, but I would say Remember Titans probably goes down to my number one. So, All right. Well, if you want to stick around and come up with one on the fly, here we go. Bum of the week. You're training like a damn bum, you know that? Bum. A bum! You are a bum! You're a bum! And that's all you'll ever be! A bum! Well, that hurts, man. Ed, you got a bum of the week? I do. Um, my bum of the week. Go ahead with yours. Alright, well, I don't like to do this. I don't like to call out people at home, and what? it's a little uncomfortable for me. But Marvin Lewis... Oh. You lost a winnable game in Baltimore, where we had beat Baltimore eight of the last ten. The headset situation? Are you kidding me? You couldn't practice how to use an effing headset <laughs> all week. Um, and not to mention, we literally can't beat a rookie quarterback. Um, I believe the year that we lost to the Texans in the Uh playoffs, we lost to the Texans twice. Um, That's why I'm nervous about Baker. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Uh Uh-oh. And it was a bad call even having Cody Core in the game. But uh, I'm going with Marvin Lewis. So mine is going to be the Canadian curling team. And I'm not sure that if I'm (laughs) mad at them or if I'm just, like, jealous uh, but apparently Both. they were, yeah, they were kicked out of the World Curling Tour uh, because they showed up drunk, um, <laughs> extremely drunk, breaking Le- brooms, swearing, just unacceptable behavior. Le- and nobody blue. wanted to watch that. So I don't know if I'm mad at them or just mad that they didn't invite me. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm not impressed. even mad. How did you do that? You pooped in the refrigerator and ate I- a whole wheel of cheese. I feel like uh, curling is one of those sports, though, where you could drink a couple beers and have some fun. It's like cornhole, but on ice. Or recording a podcast. Or that, too. Brandon, well, who I you got? Say that Ed, I should say that Ed should be my bum of the week, because <laughs> how dare you say that the actual Canadian curling team was your bum of the week, when it should be the official who kicked them out of the tournament for being too drunk. But I was going to say, whoever... I will refrain from insulting the that's host actually fair. of the podcast that was so gracious to have me on. That's actually fair. Uh, I don't want to insult Ed. Um, and it's easy to say Hugh Jackson, um, but I've got to say, it's going to be Hugh Jackson for uh, not necessarily getting himself fired. The writing was on the wall, but for him to coward, cowardly make his way back to Cincinnati and make himself feel right back at home, nestled into Marvin Lewis's back pocket, and uh, try to see if he can't get some redemption on his team. But also good on him, because he may very well be the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, I would definitely say, just to get some frustrations out as a Browns fan, Hugh Jackson would be my bum of the last two years. He's also <laughs> getting paid by both teams. <laughs> That is that that is true. I think that makes him the Stugatz of the week. <laughs> I can't say the that. Stugatz is strong in you. <laughs> um, in any case, Brandon, we definitely want to thank you for coming on with us and giving us your time. I know your bedtime was about an hour and a half ago, um, and you got kids, so I can't. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't go long at all, did we? No, not even a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah. Not at all. Okay. 
Um, I had the tone was set well before we even got on the phone with you. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that all being said, though, um, thank you for coming on. Um, I know it was a long night for you, um, especially with all of Ed's computer issues. Which, if you listen long enough to the end of the podcast, you might hear an outtake or two. Um, so, with all of that being said. Um, Brandon, definitely don't be a stranger. We appreciate all the support that you've given us, um, both on the side um, with your critique of our podcast and also being a long-term, since the jump, friend of the show. So for that, yes, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, You know, without getting too sentimental and and, and keeping a long story short there. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to future appearances and uh, good luck this weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys and your family. Safe travels where you're getting and going. And uh, go Browns and go Bucks. All right. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We are thankful for you. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. For Ed and Brandon, I'm Aaron. We out. Peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I have a slight problem. Uh, Yeah. If if you don't live in Cleveland, you you could live in Dayton as well, okay? No knocking on Cleveland. This is all... we got to be friendly tonight. Did you lose the monitor? I don't know what just happened. Did you lose the monitor? We're doing this again? No, the monitor's still here. This isn't plugged in. That's not supposed to be plugged in. Um, this has never happened before. We might be doing it again. Well, I'm, I'm not surprised that there are technical difficulties by any means. Shouldn't be. I cleared my evening schedule for you guys, so <laughs> instead of just Although going my, to bed my, after my drinking bed, two my beers bed by t- yourself, my bedtime is in eighteen minutes. But 